0: Good morning, all. I'm Dave Trilongo. I get to pastor this wonderful Chair City Community Church. Glad you're with us today. It's a good day, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to welcome you to week two of our current teaching series, Get in the Game, as you saw. And like you know, any athlete, any competitive person, they don't want to be on the bench, the sidelines. They want to get in the game. And in this series, we're trying to coach our church and guests hanging there with us, you know. We want to coach them on how to develop this Mindset that says, when well, no, I'm worship and loving God, I'm worshiping and loving God when I'm serving others. huh? Last week, we talked about, you know, actually the, uh, we, we kind of opened up this series and we talked about having this mindset of worship, right? You know that, you know that it's when we focus not on ourselves, but on others, A- and we do so not for personal gain or selfish ambition, but to care about others, right? and we do so with a good attitude, and that we do this primarily more than anything else because Jesus served us by giving his life, dying on the cross, and paying the price for our sins, right? He served us, so we gladly and enthusiastically and willingly serve others. Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 44, whoever wants to become great among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, meaning serving all. Now, Jesus didn't live his life so others could serve him. Rather, he served others. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45, it says, for even the Son of Man, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, by the end of this series, we want everyone in our church, everyone without exception, to have this mindset that I am here on earth to serve others just like Jesus did. Yeah? Just like Je- Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve others. Now, last week we, you know, we kind of we we just wanted to give you a foundation, and now these next for the rest of the month, we're gonna pull out specific areas where you could apply this servanthood mindset. Now today, we're talking about what servanthood looks like in our families. Now, you know, whether you're married, no children, married children, there's all different variations of family, but I'm telling you, this applies to all of us. If You got a mom, you got a dad, you got a brother, you got a sister, you have children, you got a wife, this applies to all of us. And I really want you to tune in because it's one of those, every now and then, Although everything I say I think is so great, okay, and so inspiring, every now and then you hear me say, man, this one, if you get a hold of this, it is truly very applicable, very quickly, and very life-changing. Now, we're going to turn around, before we're going to be in John chapter 13, before we jump in there, I just want to give you some background, what's going on here, and it's, it's a Thursday night. The days kind of passing through, it's going into the evening, and Jesus is getting together with his fellow Jews, his disciples, and they're gonna celebrate a Passover meal. It's, it's a meal where they kind of commemorate what, you know, God's faithfulness and his love uh, with his people, the nation of Israel. Only a few hours from this meal, a few hours later, Jesus will be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now Jesus knew that this was it. This would be the beginning of the end of his time here on earth. He knew that this would be the last time that he would be coming together with his disciples, those closest to him, who he'd been traveling with and teaching and sleeping and eating with for three years. This was it. So he's using this time together in a very critical and important way. He wants to speak into their lives one last time, and he's going to share with them something that he believes, him being fully man and fully God, that is so important for them to move on and be followers of him. And to change the world and to change their lives. And what topic does he bring to them? He brings to them servanthood. You see, in this lesson today, I want to talk to you about a few things, several things that Jesus taught by his words and actions about servanthood to his disciples that monumental night that we know is the Last Supper, okay? And the first thing, the first point Jesus made to his disciples about servanthood, about serving, is that serving is an expression of love. Let's take a look at John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, having loved his own, who were in the world, talking about Jesus, he now shows them the full extent of his love. If you have a Bible, you'll see a heading, different verses, translations, but often you'll see it says the full extent of his love. right? Showing them the full extent of his love now. See, he's about, what's gonna, he's about to now go out and wash their feet. Some of you know this story, some of you don't. Meaning, Jesus is now getting ready. He's taken off that royal robe. He's taken off those, those notable garments, and he's putting on a towel. He's wrapping himself in the garments of his servant. He's getting ready now to wash his disciples' feet. And it's the thing is that's critical to know here is it's not just an act of service to serve his disciples, meaning there's a need, I'm gonna meet that need, I'm serving. No, it's an act of love. It's an act of love. And what Jesus is saying here is that you know, it's that love is a verb. That love requires action. Caring requires action. It's not just a thought, it's not just words. It's something, love is something that we demonstrate in very specific and pragmatic ways. So, I'm much better at my anniversary than I am with Valentine's Day. I just, I don't know, maybe it's like a, I don't know, something going on inside of me that I resisted. I'm just really not good at Valentine's Day. I can't say I'm a flop. I'm Okay? And I think it's kind of like, I think when it comes to impressing Chrissy, I kind of hit or miss. It's kind of one of those things. Well, one year, Valentine's Day, 1998, I think it was like, the day before, I'm driving. I hear a country song on the radio. I'm like, "That's a cool song." Yeah, I'm not into country music. Who would be? But, <laughs> <coughs> but you know, it was a good song. And uh, so I go out, and it was. Uh, I went out and bought a CD by a guy named Clint Black. And uh, the song on the CD I was looking for was called "Something That You Do." So I was tempted to sing you some of these lines, but I'm not going to. Because the last time I did that, I just got an earful on the way home. (laughs) So, (laughs) actually, it wasn't all, but I don't want to get in trouble today. So, I got so much trouble last week. So, listen, listen to these words. They're good. Love is certain. Love is kind. Love is yours and love is mine. But it isn't something that we find. It's something that we do. We're on the road that has no end and each day we begin again. Love's not just something that we're in, it's something that we do. I remember well the day we wed. I can see that picture in my head. Love isn't just the words we said, it's something that we do. There's no request to big or small. We give ourselves, we give our all. Love isn't some place that we fall, it's something that we do." Great stuff. I hate all those cliches, right? See, Jesus' love for his disciples was more than just lip service. He showed them the full extent of his love by serving their needs. Huh? And the question is, how can we show those in our homes, those in our families, the full extent of our love? If you get this, it will change your life for the better. You'll have more calmness more gladness, more enjoyment. You'll have more intimacy, and not only sexual. I mean, again, you know, intimacy is much more broader than that. I mean, closeness, companionships, warmth, affection. It just is just, it's a, it just will fuel all of that. How can I serve the needs of those in my home, huh? So, if you have elderly parents, you know, do they need help with various things around their home? Uh, if you have only one parent living... Could they use some companionship? I hit on that a little bit last week, but it's it's significant. It's something that we're seeing less and less and less in people's lives, in the lives of elderly people. If you have a brother or a sister who uh, doesn't know Jesus, can, can you share them uh, about? Can you share with them about Christ? Can you take an opportunity? Can you uh, if they're buying a home, can you help them move? If there's something going on in their lives, can you be there for them? I mean, if they're in a difficult time, a call, you know caring for them, serving them, if you're married, you know, uh, you know husbands, can you uh, be there for your wife? She needs uh, affection, she needs conversation, it's significant for her, can you develop the energy and a reservoir of energy to do that for her, to serve her? Wives, your husband, he, he craves um, respect, And this is General Simmons. He has a a a great, unique need for sexual fulfillment. Uh, He he wants to be encouraged. Can you serve him in these ways? I mean, we both, uh, you know, these things vacillate. Both should be respected. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of just pulling out examples. You know. That that I think are a little bit more applicable sometimes one end to the other. But the point is, can you serve one another in these ways? Meaning, wait a minute, it's an opportunity for me to serve my wife in this way. It's an opportunity for me to serve my husband in this way. Moms, dads, you got little ones. Listen, have you thought, I want to serve my kids. When you do think of it this way, touch, time, and talk. Loving touch, abundant time. encouraging talk and and of course all that is in the framework of godly discipline but I'm telling you when you bring godly discipline to parents on the same page worshiping God by bringing guidance and correction into their children's life and then coming along with this touch time and talk affection time you're gonna wind up with a very healthy stable vibrant emotional human being yes just like God intended it to be so again how can we show our families the full extent of our love? We do this by serving them. Get Right now, begin to just digest that. Let it sink in. Don't be distracted by anything. Don't be deterred. Don't mind. I, today, January 15th, I resolve to serve those in my home. Why? Because Jesus served me. And how do I do that? I want to show them the full extent by, of my love. By serving them. Okay, next thing Jesus taught his disciples about serving was this. Serving opportunities will present themselves everywhere you go if you only look for them. I am big on this. I tell you, often I, when I'm going out, if I'm driving to a hospital 11 o'clock at night, or if I'm, I, I'm looking, how can I serve? What, where is there an opportunity going to come up where I can serve God? It's just kind of like this thing that I just carry in my mind. I'm always looking for this opportunity. I'm not going to say I'm always like, woo-hoo, you know, like it's like I'm in price shop, it's 11.30, I run in and want to get some Cheerios, and here's, oh, Pastor, I'm like, oh, oh God, I just came in for Cheerios, I just want to go home, and I want to, but, you know, I gather myself, and I'm like, all right, God, you, you brought, you, this is an opportunity you've brought into my life, so they've, you know, shelved the selfishness, shelved the impatience, just do what others have done for you. That's why you're here. Yeah, this, this actually takes place in like 3.5 seconds. You know, while I'm like smiling and shaking a hand, it's like that's what's going on. Not all the time. Don't, don't think that's what happens <laughs> with me and you. The point is, <laughs> the point is I come, like here, this person is an opportunity for me, huh, to serve. And it's a beautiful thing. And I could tell you, but I won't, incredible stories that have come from those meetings where I have been changed and God has done wonderful things in my life. I hope they got hope too. All right, so here, Jesus. Now, here's again, here's what's going on that night. Jesus and his disciples arrive at this house for the Passover meal. I told you what that was. And I want you to get it, it's the evening now. 13 men, adult men, who have been walking to and fro all day long. And this is in the kind of Middle Eastern sun. It's out there. Roads aren't paved. It's all dirt. They've been walking in dirt all day long, they've been sweating. Good likelihood, a, you know, a cow or a camel left them a gift that they stepped in. I mean, so they come into this room here, probably a tight, closed quarters type room. I mean, it probably smells. I mean, I mean you know, it, it's, it probably reeks, it smells, they're dirty, they're filthy. And what does Jesus do? He, he takes note of this, man, whether because of what he saw or what he smelled, whatever it is, Jesus sees this opportunity, man, you know, probably just as tired as they were, fully God, fully man probably just as sweaty as they were, probably just as exhausted as they were, but in the midst of all that... Oh, and by the way, he knew what was coming. Come on! He knew what was coming. He knew that in three hours, many of these people would forsake me. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified on a cross. I'm tired. It's been a long day, but you know what? Here is an opportunity to do the will of my Father. Here's an opportunity to show these men who I love who have to change the world the full extent of my love by serving them. Isn't that incredible? I mean, here's an opportunity to serve them. You know, I, <coughs> I was having uh, coffee this past week with a, a married couple, and we were talking about different things, and they were explaining that it, uh, during the course of the week before, uh, the wife had called the husband and she wanted to talk with them, and it, it kind of didn't go well. It was kind of, you know... Rough, the way they're not harsh, but, you know, the wife responded in a way the the wife, you know, didn't appreciate that. And and I looked at the husband. I said, you know what? I think when your wife calls you, you want to look at this as an opportunity to serve her. So if you get that call from her in the middle of the day, just think this is an opportunity to serve her. I said, I'd even do you one better. I said, go into your contacts and change her name from, you know, dot, dot, dot to opportunity. So when she calls in, you're like, oh, opportunity, here you go, right? I thought that was pretty ingenious, OK? <laughs> His wife really liked that, by the way. <coughs> Listen, serving opportunities are always there. We just don't notice them because we don't have this mindset. The baby crying through the night. Yeah, it's an opportunity. I know. It's tired. It's difficult. I mean, I, you know, Joel turned 10, I think, next, next month. So I, I have left that. But I have been there. I've been there in stereo, man, OK, <laughs> with twins. But it's an opportunity to serve one another. The kids need to be taken to practice. It's an opportunity, you know. Start the car and heat it up before my wife gets in the car. I'll I'll do that someday. It's on my list. It's an opportunity, right? (laughs) I really do. I keep. I don't know what it is. I just want to be honest. When my wife calls me during the day. And all this is going on, it's an opportunity to allow her to share and allow her to vent and allow, allow her to talk. It's an opportunity. When the kids ask me to play a game or do something that I'm really not into, it's an opportunity to serve them, yeah? I mean, Joy, yesterday, I, I just I was tired. You know, get closer to Sunday, my energy begins to drain a bit because uh, it's my ending of the week in a sense. And, you know, she, she wants to talk to me about getting a fish, and there's a rub there because, you know, when my, I tell my kids, no, real, I don't want pets. And it works so well with the first three, and somehow with joy, it's not going well. I got a dog, I got rabbits, and now somehow she's coming at me with this anger with the fish now, right? And I've done the fishing, and I've won it. Well, so she wants, it's a better fish, you know, the, the Siamese fighting fish, right? And uh, so I hesitated, but I'm thinking, you know what, man, it's, I've been so busy. So much going on, I, I, I want to do this. And so I started you know, going along with her. I actually kind of got into it. We're going on websites and YouTube, and we're looking at all these different fish and so on and so forth. I actually, by the time it was over, I hope she forgets about it, actually, I talked her into not getting one, because you've got to put these, these fish by themselves. They, they kill each other. They, they like rip each other apart. The men, okay? It's the opposite of, of us, right? You can't, okay, whatever. All right, sorry. Uh, anyway, so uh, but when I read the females are actually kind of fairly attractive fish too, not as elaborate as the men, but you can put them all together. You can have like a sorority. And so I said, Joy, why don't we just get a bunch of female fish? Okay, anyway, so I got into it. My point is I got into it. She was happy. We had a nice time. She was leaning on me. It was an opportunity, right? I'm so glad I pushed forward to do that, huh? And obviously I'm losing the battle of pets with my youngest. Now, what I'm saying is, look, if you open your eyes, there's going to be an opportunity. Jesus didn't close his eyes. Jesus didn't check out. He looked and saw an opportunity before him to inspire the men that God had brought into his life. They are, I'm telling you, they are everywhere. And these are opportunities for you to serve that will bring gladness, joy, and benefits into your life. God gave us two eyes, two ears, two hands, two feet to serve, to serve, to serve. All right, next thing, Jesus made a point to teach his disciples about serving, was Jesus expect his followers to actually follow his example. Jesus, I'm going to repeat that. Jesus expects his followers to follow his example. Take a look at me with John, at John chapter 13, verse 12 through 15. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? I've washed your feet, gone around the table. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's powerful. Jesus served his disciples' needs, and now he's telling them to do that for one another. And what he's saying is, this is my expectation for you, right? This is what I'm expecting of you when you say that I believe in Jesus and I'm following Jesus. And this is what I I want you to teach others to expect as a follower of Christ that we serve one another. You know, last week, I mentioned this course on gerontology. Two things I want to hear in the family, which is a study of aging and and issues that come with aging. Now, the professor mentioned something that really, it just kind of, struck me. It's not like, wow, but I don't know, I never really thought of it this way, and it just kind of really moved me. And he said, one of the great benefits we're seeing, research is showing us, with people who are aging, is that those who have healthy relationships with siblings really do so much better emotionally and mentally as they age. Wow, right? And he said, and one of the reasons is that because we, it's obvious, he said, is that The sibling relationship is the relationship in your life that you're going to have longer than any other relationship. And that's what struck me. I'm like, wow, that's so true. And it just, oh, man, like, that's, right? You're going to know your brother or your sister or more highly likely, than longer than any other person in your life. And truly, God intended that we would have good relationships. And often that's not the case. My family, your family, But I tell you, God has called us today to put all that aside and to serve, huh? Just to serve, to serve our brothers, to serve our sisters, to to look for opportunities. That God, prepare me, yield me to see how I could serve. I know it's complicated at times, but I'm telling you, there's nothing complicated that Jesus gave his life for you, right? Died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, that you could go to heaven to serve you, right? And that when you step out to do this, you're not on your own. You're doing so following Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Jesus is going before you. Look at it that way. He's brought an opportunity in your life to serve him and to build healthy relationships in your life. It's got to start somewhere. I-, I was so moved. When I got home, I gathered my kids around. I brought them into the living room. And I said, listen, I want to share with you something I learned today. And, you know, I was, you know I've been, we had already started kicking this message around. And I brought the two together. I said, I want you to look at one another. And here's what I learned. And I told him about the relationships and the importance of it as they grow older. And I said, here's how you got to do that. you got to start to serve each other. you got to start to serve one another as brothers and sisters. Serve each other. Find a need in each other's lives and meet that need and serve one another. You know what? Yesterday I was driving with one of my kids, and I said, so how's your day? How's your week? He's like, okay. I said, so what have you been doing? He's like, well, I've been trying to figure out what I could do to serve my brothers and sisters. I said, have you done anything? He goes, not yet, but I'm thinking really hard about it. <coughs> so at least it's on his radar, right? Listen, Jesus has expectations of us who follow him. He does. That's why he said, I expect you. You see what I've done? Now I expect you to do that. Expectations are huge in a relationship, huh? Often you see husband and wife come together, this difficulty, you and now chat with them and talk with them, and you realize that their expectations coming in were really so far apart from one another. They never actually even considered or realized they had certain expectations, but they did. But I'll tell you, the sum of it all. When they come into a marriage, often what happens is they're looking at one another as what I can get out of you. I'm coming to this relationship expecting to get something out of you, albeit it seems, well, companionship, relationship, security, affection, intimacy, but it's what they're expecting to get something, to take something Often they're not going in thinking, "How can I serve this person?" And that is the life-changing moment of every marriage. I believe with all my heart, that out of a love of God and a trust in God in Jesus Christ, one spouse decides to look at another spouse and say, "How can I serve this person?" huh? Changes everything, right? And if it didn't happen in the beginning, now is a great day to start, yes. And everybody said, "Amen. woo okay, great. all right let's let's jump to the all right, so the fourth thing that Jesus makes, the fourth point Jesus makes to his disciples about serving is this Serving is the path to happiness. I believe this with all my heart. After teaching his disciples about servanthood, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 17, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed. We've talked about this before. The word blessed here in the English, so the Greek word blessed. Translated into English means happy. Jesus is saying, you're going to be happy if you do this. You will. Jesus is telling us that if we want to live a happy life, a better life, do not be focused on ourselves, but be others focused on others and look and serve. Serve others. It's not just about our pleasure and our enjoyment, but when we serve others, we now see pleasure and enjoyment. That's a paradox. It, almost, it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but... It's how God made us. You know, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Christy has got a kind of a pinched nerve in her neck, and it's been causing her some problems in her arm. And I probably haven't given her the attention that she deserves, and I should, but I've been kind of like, you know, come in and, you know, do something and you know, go. And so uh, I was talking to somebody in the church about it, and they said, Oh, you know, I've got some Epsom salt. And they give me a bag of Epsom salt, and they said, Have her take a bath in this. So I brought it home, and I told her about it, and she didn't do it. <laughs> I, I go to Then I tell her about it again. Hey, no, I haven't done it. So now it's like, great, right, I, I went to the person's house, I got the episode, I bring it back, it's just sitting on the counter, you know? I got plenty of stuff going on in my life right now, but I went and got the episode, put it on the counter, so the third, fourth day, some episode, same place, hasn't moved, right? So now, I forgot what morning it was, comes on, and I guess I got off to a bed, so our kids are there eating their breakfast, and uh, I think I, I probably made an insensitive critical comment about something, it wasn't like horrible, you know, I don't you know, be fair to me but it probably was not timely, right? So that was my bad start. And so then I looked over, you know, figuring to make things worse, and I saw the Epsom salt. So I asked the question, of course I knew what the answer was gonna be, because I can tell whether way it's wrapped, where it's sitting, but you know, looking to you know, just keep going in that wrong direction. So I asked her, you know, again, well, hey, have you taken a bath with the Epsom salt? So she turns around and pats me on my back and says, That's too, you're doing great. So I'm like, really? I said, okay. I said, well, you know what, let's, let's remove the tension from our lives. And I took the Epsom salt, I opened it up, and I threw it in the garbage, right? <laughs> As a mature man should do, right? So, <clears throat> and if you're in here and you gave me the Epsom salt, I eventually took it out of the garbage. So, later that day, I'm talking to a couple, you know, counseling, spending time with them, and I kind of trying to relate to them. I share the story, and the woman looks at me, and she says, well, did you ever think about you know, drawing a bath for her and some candles and putting it all together and just inviting her there? I felt so stupid. <laughs> Here I am, the seminary student, the pastor, the minister, 20-something years. right? I'm like, well, that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm sure she's thinking, what a moron, right? So <laughs> that night, but I was excited, because I was going to make it mine. That's mine now. So that night. I waited for the right time, I got snuck the Epsom so, got the candles in, did it all, and went downstairs and said, honey, um, the bath is ready, I set it all up for you. She said, okay. And she went upstairs and she got in the bath, right? It's a lot of work, guys, but hey, it is what it is, you know? So the point is here that, guess what? My wife was happy. She actually asked me if she, I could set up some music. I just got to throw that out there, I mean, I don't know. So, all right. So, after I set up the music, she was happy. I was happy. The kids were kind of sad because they could feel that tension in the morning. They were happy. My home was happy. It was good, right? So, why? <laughs> because, because I served Christy, right? So, this is what happens. And, and, you know, I, if you would have sat, I mean, that had the potential there to just, you know, really go further, you know? But, and, and I'm thinking, my God, how, <laughs> what's, what's broken sometimes? <laughs> serve one another in your home. Look for opportunities to serve, huh? Be, rather than saying, man, look what I did. Oh, I went and got this. I went and did this. And hey, wait a minute. What is her need? Focus on her. Focus on him. What are their needs? What's making them tick? What's happening with them? How can I serve them in a way that they are going to appreciate, right? All right. So we were made by God. Not to give lip service, not to just have nice thoughts, but to do this. And when we do it, when we act it out, it just brings goodness and gladness and joy into our lives. You know, teenagers, man, it's just good stuff. When you're How many teenagers have ever gotten in trouble for helping out around the house too much? <laughs> right? Serve your family. It's going to bring happiness, you know? Married people, how many of you have gotten into an argument for cleaning the dishes too much, or for helping out too much. How many of you, huh? Doesn't happen. My house, little, most of the time it's okay. I, I got a little twist. Sometimes when I actually go to do that stuff, Christy stands there. She makes believe she's doing something else, but she's actually spying on me. <laughs> like to make sure I'm doing it up to her standard. So sometimes I say, we've gotten past this. I'll be like, that's it, you do it yourself. I'm out of here, I'm gone, you know? But really, it's just it's good to serve one another, you know? If you have kids, you you get mad. If you have little, little ones, you get mad at your spouse because they changed the dirty diaper? Of course not. See, it brings happiness into your home. No one ever fights over being served. No arguments ever come from serving one another. huh? Matter of fact, 99.9% of the time, arguments, unhealthy conflict come from... One or both people being kind of selfish, self-centered, looking at one another, not looking to serve each other. So you want to be happy? You want to live in a happy home? Become a servant to your spouse right now in this moment. Decide I am going to serve my husband, serve my wife. Uh, if you're in a relationship where you you know you you have a significant other, I'm going to serve this person. I'm going to serve my children. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. I am a servant. Okay, last one. I believe. Jesus taught his disciples with his words and his actions that serving is a powerful evangelistic tool. Wow. Okay, so now, here we are at this Passover meal. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's John chapter 13, same 13 chapter, verse 34 through 35. Jesus showed the full extent of his love by serving his disciples. And he tells us that by doing this, by serving one another, we now experience what took place when Jesus loved his disciples. It's a powerful witness to an unbelieving world. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And I say this, When people look at the church, when people look at Christian families, when people look at those who follow Christ and they see us serving one another, it blows them away because more than not, they're inclined to be selfish to a certain degree. To some degree or another, they're inclined to be selfish. And when we move away from that culture, when we move away from the norm, and we trust in Jesus and we serve one another, Starting in our homes, it is just simply electrifying. It's so inviting. It's so attractive. Huh? And they're like, wow, (coughs) they must be a Christian. or They love Jesus because of the way they love one another. We try and make this big in our home, you know, to serve each other. And, you know, and I get it. You know, I was just thinking when I was going through this series, I said, you know, I get it. You know, the chores and, you know, cleaning floors, the dogs, the dishes, all these things kids do. And that's good, too. But I said, you know what? I think we're gonna bring a different angle. How can they serve their mother? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna literally sit down and map out ways that they can serve their mom, things they could do for their mom personally that meets their mother's needs in a, in a meaningful way, how they can serve her. It's a great thing, huh, to bring this into your family. But, how, but when we look at our aunts, our uncles, our siblings who don't know Christ, uh, those in our close circles, by the way we love each other as believers, it's going to be very attractive for them. Generally, people aren't made for isolation. They're made to come into community. And they want to come into a community where people are serving and care for one another. I went to a Celebrate Recovery meeting this past week with someone in the evening. And Celebrate Recovery is like an AA. It's like kind of a Christian version of an AA meeting. And it was someone who would come in here. They'd come in here earlier in the week, that, that Sunday, last Sunday. And, uh, and they were talking about the church, and he said, you know what, there's no doubt. I've been to other churches, but when, when I've come to your church, it just seems like you just care for each other. The way you're talking, the way yous talk, people talk to me. But I watch, it's like you really do care about each other, and you like being around each other, and like you do things for others. And he said, you know, I, I'm, I felt okay coming in there. Big deal, right? Yeah. And you know what, that's common. I talk with a woman, you know, who uh, I want to be careful but let, let me just say, she said, I've been going to church all my life. And, and I, I've never experienced what I do when I come into your City with the way people seem to care about each other, right? And through actions, not just words. And that's what we want. We want, you see, it's attractive, man. It means that, why? Well, because it's what Jesus said. They will know you are my followers, meaning they will see me and you. They will see my power in you by the way you love each other, huh? So look for ways to love one another. Now I'm kind of drifting off into the church, but to me, again, it begins in our families. Our grandchildren, our spouse, our kids, our adult parents. So let's close this out here. Look, there's nothing wrong. Worship, you want not you come on up because I'm going to finish it out. Thank you so much. Look, there's nothing wrong with having the bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus, or that little fish on your car. That's cool. It's good. You know, there's nothing, but it's better if you're served, right? people in your home, if you better if you were a servant. That's what Jesus said. This is how they're going to know. You're my disciple. It's okay to listen to Christian music in the car, and when you pull up to the teller, some of you guys like to jam it up a bit so they know you. Oh, that's cool, too. You know, maybe he'll get saved and add a transaction. I don't know, not mocking it, whatever. But you know what? Better to serve, huh? Better to be a servant, yes? Nothing wrong with, you know having t-shirts and different things that, you know, my kids got them that that profess in different ways, you know, that you know Jesus, that's all good. But Jesus didn't say that's how they're going to know that you're my disciple. He said, by the way you serve, by the way you serve, to the extent of your servanthood, to the extent of your being focused on others and serving them, is how they're going to know you're my disciples. And I'm telling you now, it begins in your family, you know, in your family. Because if you could do it there, you could do it anywhere, right? Well, come on, because that's a hard place to do it sometimes, right? But if you could do it there, which is what God intended, you can do it anywhere. Look, and don't get me wrong, I'm all, it's great that you take a stand for what you believe in. I don't want anyone to put a negative light on any of that. I'm just saying the greatest of all, in a way to display your faith in Jesus, that you're a follower of Jesus according to what Jesus told us in John chapter 13 was, By the way you serve one another, yes? All right, so why don't you stand with me? Look. When Christians serve one another the way Jesus served his disciples, (laughs) Christianity becomes incredibly attractive, incredibly relative, and incredibly effective. Incredibly. You start doing this today in your home and you, and be determined not to do it, again, for gain. For the, No, you're doing it because you love God. You're doing it because Jesus did it first. You're doing it because it's an example of your love for Jesus. And you just keep doing it from that place, and you will change circumstances. You will rise above circumstances. You'll not be like James, as a wave in the sea, tossed to and fro, who doubts everything they believe in. What's going to come of this mess? No, you'll rise above circumstances. You won't be a person of circumstances. You're going to say, me, I, I know who I am. Today, I am a servant. I am a child of God. I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to serve with all my heart, soul, and mind. Let's, close, let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that today's message truly ignites a, a great passion within these people to be servants in their home, to serve one another's, oh God, to serve your family, oh God, that today they want to get in this game, your game, oh God, your plan, your purpose, with a, a, an enthusiasm, oh God, and a zealousness, oh God, to serve, God. Let them not be deterred, oh God. Let them not be distracted, oh God, by past or, or incidental things, oh God, or personalities, but let them see that which awaits them, oh God, your promises and your faithfulness, oh God. Lord, let them see, oh God. That there are opportunities around them. Even now, beginning that hearts would melt, oh God, their eyes would open, their ears would be sensitive, as they just want to become a magnet, O oh God, for these opportunities that are around them, that sit very next right now, that sit next to them, oh God. That they will drive home to O oh God, that they will drive home with O oh God. Opportunities to serve and to glorify you. In Jesus' name, Amen.